That was a very famous family. My mother-in-law was Margaret Atwood. If you want to tell me what pushed you that direction, what first into stripping and then... Ah, burlesque. Burlesque. Obviously, you just explained why you've got reached out by... Yeah. To, to, to make a gig and pre create a project. It was wild. Yeah. Project, but, uh... Yeah. Um, well, I was, I mean, I eventually I was headlining for the, the Spiegel tent shows and, mm. and all of those things, which were really neat. But how I started stripping, um, I th I've always seen it like, and I'll talk in this language about trauma because that's what we understand today. Trauma victims are always trying to uh, be victorious over mm -hmm. their abusers, right? And sure. so they rewrite the story. When you hear about women who've been abused, going back to the abuser or going to another abusive situation or going to uh, a, a risky situation, putting themselves at risk, it's not because they love the drama and the abuse. Mm -hmm. That's the easy thing to say. Well, you know, she'll just go back to, that's the easy way to dismiss it. The reason why women do that, men too, excuse me, is because we are trying to win. We are trying to rewrite the end of that story. Mm. In my mind, stripping, when I was 19, I was on a date. And the guy said for dessert, he said, do you want to go somewhere else for dessert? I said, yeah, I want to go to the Zanzibar on Young Street. Mm. <laughs> he said, why? I said, well, because I want to see what strippers do. He said, why would you want to do that? I said, because I'm thinking of applying. <laughs> <laughs> so he reluctantly took me to the Zanzibar. And uh, I got a girl to dance for him. I wanted to see what this girl did. And I thought, well, that's easy. Like, <laughs> I could do that. So I, I talked to the manager and I started the next week. I came to see every single table dance that I ever did. Stage shows were easy. I'd been performing since I was a kid. Those mm. are, getting naked was not necessarily easy the first few times. That was a little, you know, a little mm -hmm. scary. But it was performing. I could pretend to be somebody else, right? But every single table dance that I did, in my mind, was hanging the proverbial carrot in front of my potential abuser and taking it away whenever I wanted. Mm. That's how I think I overcame all of my stuff because I rewrote the end of every single table dance story I had. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? Yeah. Like it was, I was in control. I could say no. I could put a stop to it anytime I wanted. And it became an amazing game. And then a persona. And then I would do all kinds of acting things. Mm. Um, I could work out a lot of issues with these guys. I became... Um, a chameleon of sorts. Mm -hmm. So let's say if I was go-go dancing in New Jersey and New York, I would suddenly be French because, of course, when you are French and you are in the United States, they think you are so sexy. And that is how I would make more money. Mm -hmm. I was the French girl coming in to make my... <laughs> it's crazy. I was just doing acting exercises. Yeah. Or one time, of course, I would tell them I'm from London, right? So I would work on my accent, mm. you see. As a voiceover artist, it was a really good thing to do, right? Any game I could play, why not? I mean, I could reinvent myself every single night. I did that for 10 years. Wow. Loved every minute of it. 
why would you not? Mm-hmm. You have a bunch of people telling you you're beautiful and throwing money at you every night. It's kind of hard to give up. So I never drank. I never did drugs. I never sold myself. And I somehow got through 10 years of some of the most cocaine years Mm. of the stripping industry intact, alive, and fine. Luck, partially, Mm. a lot, and smart. Yeah. Was there, you said you've been in control. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seems like you had the whole thing planned out and you knew you had the control over it all the time. Was there Did ever... Did I have it? Oh. Yes. Was there ever a moment that you lost control? Well, either I have phenomenal angels or I'm just dumb. Um, not really. Wow. I knew that I was going to be a stripper from the time I was about 14. Really? Yeah. It was like the most obvious thing somebody like me would do. Mm. I was loud. I was very, um, what's the word? Uh, obnoxious? No, I no. was never obnoxious. No. Mm. Um, I was just loud. I was, I was brassy. I was dramatic. I was, you Speaking know. Speaking the truth all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I was the really, you know, I was the person that was really all that honest mm. all the time. Mm as much as I could be and so stripping seemed like well you could travel see the world which I did Um, you could make a lot of money which I love Mm. and I could fund all of the personal projects that I wanted to do that's how I paid for my first record and that's how I paid for my first video that I ever shot Mm. yeah so I had a lot of freedom at 19 I was making a lot of money Mm. cash Mm. and and doing some great things with it for my art I didn't, um, I, I, yes, I was put in some situations that were really risky, but here's the, here's the, people's ideas of strippers, especially back then, were that we were a bunch of drug addicts that were desperate and we were constantly being victimized. There was some guy who was waiting at the end of our shift to take all our money and give us bruises and, you know, it really wasn't like that. We were in charge most of the time. Hmm. Yes, the, there were certain places that I worked where the mob owned the bar mm-hmm. and you didn't want to mess with them. Or um, one place I worked, they were paying the girls in cocaine. And when I said no, they thought I was a undercover cop. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I was kidding, but that's true. Uh, I was working in places in New Jersey where you do one different bar every single night. Mm -hmm. And I worked in a bar once where there were so many bikers and I'd never seen a biker in my life. And all of a sudden there's like 60 of them in the bar and there's nowhere to go. We're on a highway. My girlfriend and I are on a highway where like you couldn't even hitchhike your way out of there because there was there was no cars (laughs) like, you know, so we were stuck with bikers and she's a london england schooled with the royals girl who you know and i'm me and we're out in the middle of nowhere and we've been asked to sit with them in between our shows ah so if we say no oh my god they're gonna rape and kill us but if we say yes they're gonna rape and kill us (laughs) we didn't know what we were gonna do right So we sat down with the guy that was, I guess, the leader of the pack or whatever they're called. I'm sure there's a name for them. And he turned out to be uh, a university-educated, interesting guy. Um, 
who uh, gave us a ride to our hotel at the end of the shift with his pack of motorcycles following us and shook our hand at the door and said, if you ever need anything while you're in town, please give me a call. I'd be happy to serve. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I once danced for a guy who must have been six foot nine easily, a very large 400 pound black man with gold teeth. And um, I was table dancing for him. And he he had he had those chains with these big medallions on yeah. them, and I just thought, why are you trying so hard? Like I just I looked at him and I thought, here's a really good looking guy, mm. you know. And to like if he ever had a come to Jesus moment, would have to have a serious amount of dental work to undo his choices in life. I mean, you know, you could sell the gold, but man, that stuff in his mouth has got to go. So and I was looking at him kind of like that, and he was asking me to go out with him or something and i said of course i'm not going to go out with you why would i go out with you i said you you lead a life of crime why would i want to be in so he flashes me that he has a gun on him this is in toronto and this was in like probably the late 80s early 90s Mm. and he flashes this giant gun as if i'm supposed to go oh gosh and all i did was laugh I couldn't stop myself i'll just i started laughing and he said what's so funny and i said you are I said, you're just this really great guy. What are you doing? Like, I talked my way out of that because I was looking right through him mm-hmm. at the person that was in there. I mean, I was lucky maybe at that moment. What, what was he going to do? Shoot me in front of everybody? Yeah. I don't think so. Mm. So, you know, yeah, lots of risky situations. But somehow, whew, I always kind of got by, you, you know. It, it sounds like you've got the guardian <laughs> agent. That's for sure. <laughs> On every shoulder, oh, yeah. everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. That's some. some it was heavy, fun, though. It was challenges. fun. Oh yeah. It was. It I was believe. an adrenaline rush every night. I believe. I believe. Like, I wanted to ask, what is, what does Maverick mean to you personally? About, I, I have a picture already, uh, but yeah, if you if you can answer that. I think a maverick can be a lot of different types, but it's definitely somebody that does things their own way, mm. no matter what. Um, I mean, mavericks, you know, you think about those Western guys, right? walking through town like that's the image that comes to mind but if you think about who they were whether they were outlaws for and i'm sure they were outlaws for good reasons too they weren't always a life of crime but it's a it's an outlaw type of mentality it's like okay so now you've given me this picture and i have to operate within this square yeah but what's just outside the right corner square like you've got to look at all your options right and i i think I, I mean, my family certainly had a lot to do with that. My influences that I grew up with, with all of my brothers and sisters. I never for a moment actually thought about the color of their skin. I'm sure they thought about their color of their skin because they have to. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I just thought that was kind of cool. And then I grew up and realized, damn, their reality was totally different than mine. But watching them do things their way too influenced me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to know the source of why they were so different. And why, by the way, I'm speaking of kindness, why they were so damn kind. These are people that 
would give you anything if you needed it. So those were my examples, Mm. right? I didn't know the source. I just knew that's what the right thing to do was. And so I think if you have the audacity Mm. to be uh, loud about who you are and you continue and you have some kind of success, whether it be a family like that that encourages you to be you a producer that loves your work and says hey can you do you'll continue to be a maverick all your life That's right. it's not easy hmm. it's like there are days when I wake up and I think you know I really wish I could be a bricklayer and be really happy with the meditative process of just putting one brick on top of the other monotony perhaps but hmm. meditative peace I'm sure on yeah. other days I don't have that. I have a restlessness in me that will always be there. Mm. Um, I, I live with a partner who's like that too. Mm. We are both so outside the box. It's kind of scary. but And we're getting tired as we get older more and more. We have less energy to do it. But damn it, we're not going to go down easy mm. ever. I, I, would f- I would be failing my very character if I did that. You know, and as a woman, I think it's just easier now to become, to be, to be different. When I first started, I had a lot of limitations. I believe I was stripping in what was once called the French Maid, which is at the corner of Simcoe and Queen here mm-hmm. in Toronto. Mm-hmm. It's now a giant building. I don't even know what it is. And across the street from that was a bank. It might even still be there. That bank, I don't know. Uh, and I crossed the street on my lunch break while working and I walked in at 21 and I said, I need a loan because I need to start building my credit rating. Mm-hmm. I don't need the money. I just want to pay it back so yeah. I can get a good credit rating. And the banking manager said, where do you work? And I said, across the street. And he said, are you a waitress? I said, no, I'm a stripper. And he laughed at me. And he said, in not so many words well you know people like you are very risky for people like us and I said in what way and I was asking him all kind he had no good answer for me and I finally said he said something like how would you like to work off your loan so I wrote a letter to the CEO of the bank and I said Never guess what happened. I got my loan <laughs> unsecured. He got demoted. By the way, his name was Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that. And uh, every time I went into the bank, he was no longer head manager. He was still he was a teller at one point, so I knew he got demoted. And he hated my guts. Of course. But I made sure that every time I had to make a payment, I would cross the street and I would do it in cash. And I would make sure he did it for me. (laughs) Right? I don't know. It paid off. (laughs) uh, Definitely. This is this is a character. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, I am writing a a TV series right now, to be honest with you. Wow. Yeah. About a character very similar to this. Okay. I wanna. I definitely wanna watch it when it's ready. <laughs> um, I think a lot of women need that strength 
and finding the either it would be a support within themselves or close one mm-hmm. close people around them or like I, I said in the beginning themselves to go out there and bring it up to that person's face straight away because there's no other way around it unfortunately this word and yeah we as men we are assholes just being born so i think i don't agree with that no 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 maybe maybe i was <laughs> okay you know what <laughs> maybe it was just you, maybe just you. <laughs> i doubt that and i doubt that what your your statement was true i doubt that mm. i know men i'd like to think i know men mm. after spending many years talking to them in bars while wearing very little it's amazing what people confess to you mm. um i love men I, I didn't leave that profession. A lot of people say, God, you must hate men now. Why would I hate men? Hmm. First of all, um, they've made a lot of money for me. And, and, and secondly, they're half of the human race. Why would I be stupid to discount half of the human race? Much like they discount women as half of the human race. I think men are in need of reinventing themselves right now and guidance and And i think women are in need of 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 having to let go of that old narrative of men are assholes and men look men have made a lot of mistakes Mm. if women were in charge would we have wars would we have strife would we have murders would we i'd like to think less but certainly we would Mm. have them um because to be a good leader you don't have to do it the way it was done before yeah always i think both sexes and there are only two sexes and don't get me started on that no matter what your colors i don't care Hmm. i really don't you want to be a man that's six foot four wearing five inch heels and great makeup i'm with you i don't care Mm. do you share my values do you share my beliefs in the world are you a fellow kind person Hmm. period end of story i'll leave it at that but yes between the two sexes we have to have a much better dialogue here yeah it started with those 1980s shows married with children i think is what Mm -hmm. it was called where she would put her husband down in fact it probably started even before that with archie bunker do you remember that show uh all in the family in the 1960s and 70s Archie Bunker and his wife. Well, she talked like this, Archie. Mm. She had this voice that was just like it could peel paint. And my family actually did not let us watch those television shows. I didn't understand the psychology mm-hmm. back then, but I understand it now. Where the woman is always, you know, picked on by her husband, and the husband is always an idiot, and the and then we've seen themes like that throughout the years. I'm really tired of that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I'm sure you're tired of oh, it. You're yes. a guy. Oh, yes. I'm tired of it. You don't get anywhere by stepping on somebody. You just don't. No. So I don't believe that men are assholes. I believe that they are in need of some new guidance. I think that there must be some kind of new way of looking at things that, that we've not come up with as a palatable way of 
helping this cause out. Men are no longer needed in many ways for the things that they were needed before. At least in this country. Let's yeah. face it, we're, yeah. we're very fortunate to be here. I don't need my guy to buy a house. That's right. I don't need him to feed me. I don't need him to write checks for me. My mother did. Mm -hmm. My mother had to have my father write checks for her. I mean, she couldn't get a credit card until 1972. What? Right? So, and I was seven by then. <laughs> I was already on the planet. So my daughter now looks at this stuff and laughs. She thinks that stuff is funny. It wasn't funny, I'm sure, but here we are. But that doesn't mean that you have to start having every conversation about a man starting with he's an asshole. True. It was on the funny, yeah. on, on a funny way. I think. Oh, it's very funny, but it's funny because it's in our culture now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It is super problematic for men as well. Like being a man myself, I I know how much ingrained programming I have yeah. of even having teary eyes, not even saying being emotional about things, and uh, and it is in my nature, yeah. and it's. It's only up to me to let it go and let it outside of myself and mm. show it to the world. And we are born and raised from the get-go that we cannot do that. This That's is right. not our role. We supposed to be the stone of the family, the 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 rock that never shakes. Yeah. And uh, there is no emotion, whether it's a punch in the face, whether it is a death in the family, yeah. that's gonna shake us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Every every emotion in a man's dictionary of emotions is anger. Mm. I mean, I find it funny when men say women are emotional. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know. Look at you. Like I didn't put a hole through the wall when I was angry. You know. Uh, yeah. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you're relegated to one. One is acceptable, and that's anger. Mm -hmm. That's the one emotion that's acceptable in a man. The funny, yeah. funny thing is I am thankful, grateful to my wife for teaching me a lot of those things. I, yeah. Even in my, my native language, I didn't know more than probably five emotions uh, altogether. And now we have a wall, a wheel of emotions on our fridge. When I'm really, I'm, I'm that's trying, amazing. I'm trying to understand yes. what I'm going through, and it, very often, my when we are fighting, and it's completely natural when we fight with cat is is my wife that I need to stop myself and mm. say, okay, I need a break. I don't know. What I'm feeling, I'm feeling something, and it's really angry that right. something, but it is not the anger. I don't know yet what I'm feeling. Mm. Give me a moment to process it. And I find that yeah. a lot of men do not even give themselves a moment to kind of figure out, like, we don't know more than five emotions. <laughs> I know. And it's it's huge it's eye-opening and there is so much yeah. work to be done there is a lot of work to be done i i don't i i also on the flip side of that don't believe that women should be expecting their men in their lives to be their best friends mm. sorry to say that but i don't i have main male friends mm. but i don't share things with them that i do my girlfriends mm. i'm very lucky i've got some great girlfriends um, but I don't 
I think there's an expectation that the men in our lives are supposed to be our best friends. Some people are lucky. They do have that. But that's a lot of expectation to put on a guy or a woman. I think that you're supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, the same five shows. Right. It's like today we're going to have disappointment. You know, like it's it's just a it's a weird thing to. To, and, and it was worse during COVID because you were stuck with your partner all the time. You didn't have your face-to-face with your girlfriends and your besties and your, you know, the guys weren't going out mm. and shooting the breeze or whatever it is That's they right. do. I don't know. I'm not particularly invested mm. in what men do when they're away from women, but I am invested in how they relate to women and allow them their freedom in this world personal freedom, professional freedom, financial freedom, all that stuff. And you're right. We do need some sort of retraining, I suppose. But it has to be something that all all men understand. It has to be something, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what it would be. The things that we're doing now, like I think what you mentioned, that wheel is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Because it's a fallacy to think that only men don't know what emotion they're thinking. We've been allowed to explore our feelings, mm. but I don't always know what I'm feeling either in the moment. That's right. Do you know what I mean? There so we have so these many. camps, right? Mm. I think the assumptions that we make about each other, mm. male, female, somebody sure. from you know Sarajevo and me or whatever, there's just they're only assumptions, mm-hmm. and they're so inaccurate half the time. Oh yes, for sure. Half the time, I'm sure they're ridiculous. Because we are judging other people based on what we are feeling at the moment, what we yeah. are thinking at the moment, not yeah. what they are going through or what they are feeling. Yeah. Somebody said to me once, "What did you? How did you learn? How did they say? How did you learn all this stuff that you learned when you were stripping?" Basically, was the question. And I said, "Well, I met this mailman once. Mm. <laughs> I was dancing for him. He was a mailman. He came in every day. He had a beer. He had a dance, and he left." And I came up to him having just danced for somebody else and I was frustrated. And I said, oh, I hate these guys that always ask me these stupid questions. Jezebel, is that your real name? Jezebel, do you have somebody at home who beats you up and takes your money? (laughs) And he goes, look around you. He goes, you're in a library right now. These people have knowledge that you don't have ask them questions he said be interested not interesting Hmm. wow what a perspective shift right and then all of a sudden i started asking them questions and i began to understand a lot more about you know but i would also put the onus on them to talk instead of asking me questions which were one-dimensional and very ridiculous Mm. the assumptions that they made about me were insulting actually but the assumptions i was making about them were just as insulting too Mm. so it was an interesting shift and that's when i realized no yeah ask questions yep it's about the the conversation and communication right so yeah we we yeah yeah, what you said just being interested in other person right not just looking interesting right it's a lot of work to be interesting <laughs> as a performer i can tell you mm-hmm. it's a lot of work yeah for sure going through so many different 
things in your life and uh, having such a colorful career mm-hmm. what does success mean to you ha, ha, ha. <laughs> i love that question because i'm quintessentially the working actor who has not made it mm. i used to like saying about my singing because i i have three albums out and a couple of projects in between here and there and but i never made it so i almost did but i didn't make it so i used to tell people as a joke i am the almost made it has been (laughs) so it's like i almost made it and now i don't even bother so i'm a has been right um it's a funny way of saying that I'm poking fun at myself, but I'm actually not disappointed in the way that I went about it. The only thing that I'm disappointed in is that I don't get to sing anymore. Mm. That I really miss that. Why is that? As it's my most loved art. Yeah, but why is it that Oh, um, because I came out just at a time where the record labels were losing power. The mm-hmm. indie was coming back. Okay. I did indie. And then I got signed by a label, like literally as this was happening. Mm-hmm. I came out with a jazz album just as the only jazz station in Toronto was closing and it was moving to country music. Yeah. And then somebody offered me a record deal to do retro Western swing, which I love. And then that station closed and they couldn't carry it. And it was just like yeah. I got, you know, signed with this person and shelved for a year where I was just part of the roster as numbers, not as active. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to perform. I wasn't allowed to do any decisions. I was, it's a racket. The whole industry is, and now we have these self-starters, these self-creators and yep. stuff. And the technology often eludes me, mm. but I also never developed a lot of my songwriting itself. I am a good mimic. I am a good, um, I do standards and stuff. I do stuff that's already been written. And there's not a lot of appetite for that. And music has changed. And performing has changed. And worst of all, I don't want to sit in a bar for four hours and make a hundred bucks. I gave up singing officially when all of that stuff happened and all of my albums were not the albums that I wanted to make Mm because producers made it without my decision making. Again, the girl singer. I was singing at, I had Wednesdays at uh, the Reservoir Lounge here in Toronto on Wellington with my band. And I just remember the place was very, very dark and there were a lot of spotlights in our eyes. So you could rarely ever see past the first stage of people. And I just remember people's phones lighting up their faces. So I would see them in the back and all of people, these people's phones were on. And I thought, why am I standing here and you're on your phone? I'm here singing for you (laughs) and you're on your phone. And it just, it broke my heart, you know? This is the one thing that I do. Acting is like, I do, I do, it's so rare I ever do a role that I love. Mm. I just do the roles they give me because I'm a working actor. Mm. I do voiceovers, same thing. I'm a Gumby in there. I do anything. What voice do you want, right? Singing is from my soul Mm. and I I couldn't I couldn't find a venue to do that and no one listens anymore. True. So I have been known to break into song mm. <laughs> in the middle of a restaurant or you know at a party or something and people love it in those moments and it has to be genuine yeah. but I don't I don't do it anymore. So it's really sad. Is it is it more uh 
passion for yourself right now? Does it transform that way or did you close that chapter completely? I closed it. And I and I I'm like getting all oh, because I sometimes wake up and I'm I'm in tears in my dreams because I'm not singing. Mm. But I think it's um I mean maybe it'll come around again as I get older. Things change. I don't know. Uh maybe I don't have the right venue. Mm. Maybe uh maybe maybe. I don't know. I know that when I open my mouth to sing almost every time I remember the Frank and Alice, mm. you know, mm. and I just sing for for whatever comes through me. It literally just passes my body. You know, I don't know if I'm making any sense. You do. I absolutely yeah. love it, and I have nowhere to go with it right now. Hmm. It's okay. Sometimes you don't need to go anywhere and just yeah just create the place that you need maybe maybe we'll see i'm not done yet mm. it comes and goes i'm writing again uh and i'm i'm doing my jobs as it mm. were um i'm content that way mm. yeah but yeah the cherry on top would be singing again that would be great so that would be a definition of success, just singing it again. Yeah. Okay. But success as a human, I don't know. I succeeded in not dying because mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about the risk and I, I just literally tripped right through every nightmare scenario, right? I was never raped on the job. I was never <laughs> attacked on the job. I was never robbed. I was never, you know, I, I don't have any bad stories. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Um, I have disappointing stories in my personal life from people that surprised me. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't allow that to be what defined me. In fact, if anything, in the middle of it, sad to say in the middle of my daughter's upbringing because I was in this fight with her father and I went from owning my own house in Cabbage Town to living in a basement apartment with her within like a year and a half mm -hmm. and and struggling like literally finding change to get food like it was that bad at times and I thought at one point I was going to give over to hate you know mostly because I watched how it affected my daughter I've already been hungry. I'll go and sing in the street if I have to to eat. I'm not beyond that. I'd love that. Mm -hmm. The life of a gypsy? Are you kidding? I'd love to go back to that. But I had a child. Yeah. And she needed a home and she needed food and she needed, you know. So typical me, I, I didn't go to that hate place with him. I just, I went to, actually I went to real estate school, got my license and for eight years I sold houses and I sent my kid to private school because I went from the single mom who was counting change to screw this, this kid is not going to be a single mom syndrome mentality. Yep. I sent her to a private school, hmm. right? That's my response. I just went the other way. But I never hate it, because that would have been easy. Yeah. Yeah. Those dark emotions come really easy. 
Yeah, and they feed on them. Hmm. You know, they, they feed. I believe there's a psychic connection with certain people. Most everybody you meet, I think you can have a psychic connection with. Hmm. I know that sounds really woo-woo, but um, I do believe in that. Hmm. People stay with you sometimes forever, and you only met them for 60 seconds, you know? Sure. That, like, there's a connection. And with her father, there's a connection there. I still haven't figured it out. 100%. I still don't know why we ended up together. There were so many red flags. Maybe it was just to bring my daughter in. I don't know. But to hate him would be playing his game, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, everybody loses then. Everybody loses. Mostly my daughter. Oh, yes. Yeah. It takes a lot of work and a lot of courage to to be a kind person and to be loving and not give away yourself to hate and hatred yeah. and, and, and those dark emotions. Going a little bit deeper on that and overcoming all of that, what is your failure story my failure wow I hadn't thought about that one <laughs> I think skip that one right over <laughs> I think in the early part of my life I failed myself mm -hmm. nobody failed me I failed me in a, in a few moments where I, I really, I, I went for marrying my child's father when I knew it was going to be a mistake. Mm. Like in my bones, I knew it was going to be a mistake. I look back on it and my record, my third album had come through. I, I was recording an album, getting ready to tour. Uh, my best friend was dying of AIDS and I had been looking after him and I had just moved into this really cool loft that I bought and everything was happening all at once and this person walked into my life as they do hmm. uh, these types of people look for opportunities with people at vulnerable spots right I know this now I didn't know that then but I didn't trust my instincts and I was 34 mm -hmm. so you would think that I would have <laughs> I would I would have learned by then I had you know left a marriage a year and a half prior and but I still was trying to be the responsible person the artist who marries a business guy to be secure mm -hmm. you know and I and all along, I'm going through all of these stages, planning a wedding with him. I mean, what was I? I didn't even want to get married. I didn't even want to get married the two times I was married. I just, I didn't feel like marriage was for me. Hmm. And what an outrageous thing to say. I had been proposed to by over a dozen men hmm. in my life. Hmm. Many of them millionaires. If I wanted to be a millionaire... I could have married, you know, I had lots of, and I'm marrying this guy that I don't even have feelings for, but because he's in business 
And because he showed me some kindness when I was taking care of my friend and I was overrun with the album, the album wasn't going so well. And I was like, I thought, oh, I owed it to him to give him a chance. What was I thinking? So I failed myself, right? He's not to blame for that. Nobody's to blame for that. I'm to blame for that in as much as I can be because now I have a daughter. So what do you say? Was that a failure? I actually think she's the best thing I ever did. (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know that I have a personal failure story other than not listening to my gut, which I now listen to before I'll listen to reason. A lot of people, including me, it's if you don't listen to what your gut is telling you, you go, it, it's gonna pay. You're gonna pay. You're gonna pay and you're gonna pay heavy for it. I sure did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. It is. Because it it's, you can't go back, right? And I think loving yourself is a very big lesson and it's probably the most difficult to do. Yeah. But that's where the answers are. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would love to write another book entirely on all of the stories I heard from men in these bars mm-hmm. because some of them were absolutely heartbreaking. But it always came down to this one thing in that they did not love themselves. Mm-hmm. It really was. Yeah. Almost anything I can think about. You know, a man who's wife left him for another woman he'd found her in bed with this woman and then ran out of the house and ended up in a strip bar and he wanted me to dance for him and reclaim his manhood in one table dance i mean poor man but he didn't love himself he can he told me he gave me everything to this woman everything mm. and she betrayed him and blah 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 well and he wasn't honoring himself. He knew it from the moment that he was with her that it was, was never going to work out. So, I mean, every story has that kind of theme to it, right? Mm. Love yourself first. Honor thyself. Isn't that in the Bible? I'm not a Bible lady, but it's got to be in the Bible. Yeah. I have, the, there is a lot coming through that honoring and loving yourself and it's super tough if you've never been there yeah but then you you go through life in more i would say i i don't know if you can say it knowledgeable but a wise way because Mm. you are listening to what your body what 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 your experience is what whatever is talking to you at that moment the angel yeah. on your on your shoulder yeah, yeah. um is telling you this is not the way and you're gonna see that if you don't listen to me you're gonna see that i was right yeah and, uh, i think a lot of of us need to go to the moment where we realize first of all that there is another thing talking to us beside our brain mm. where where is the god or whatever you might call it right uh, a lot of people will say god or universe or whatever it might be for them but uh, and then going to the moment where you realize okay which one do i listen to and then 
trying to decide that yeah i'm gonna listen to the smarter one which is my god that's a journey in itself you know that i'm i'm totally into this new science stuff about the gut being the actual brain Mm -hmm. i don't know if you're into any of that stuff but apparently i'm not like please forgive my lack of science jargon but apparently our guts are are just as loaded with hormones and pheromones and and reactions and acid balances and whatever to the people that we meet and the experiences that we go through more than our brain so when someone says i have a gut feeling what what i'm actually talking about is this new thing that we're talking about with that you know what's your what's your what's your whole chakra region telling you about this person or the situation and that's new to our our population the more science they have behind it though the more it fascinates the hell out of me Mm. because if you talk about gut imbalances and disease today and all that stuff we're so out of touch with our own bodies But I believe it starts with making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's what disease comes from, is making bad decisions. We're not listening to our own gut for our own health and sanity, right? And I believe that that whole thing that I went through with, with um, Lena's father uh, was, in fact, the thing that made me quite ill. I, ha- I, had, I had many, um, I still do, I'm still going through chronic illness um which i believe was exacerbated ironically by the vaccines which threw me for a loop but i think it was from years of living in stress Mm -hmm. and having all that cortisol being pumped into my body and i mean i'm talking years like even before him you know all the the perfect yeah who talks about that oh he's amazing that man is amazing i don't know if you also like to go off on a total tangent here he posted something recently where he was taking this excursion of people to mm. Peru for an ayahuasca ceremony. Oh, really? And he posted this thing on his social media. I've seen a lot of his stuff. I'd never seen him look so vulnerable. What happened was he got down there with this group of people who had been paying to have this experience yep. with him. And he got there and he realized that this ayahuasca ceremony was actually the whole process of getting there was actually for him Hmm. and he had this epiphany while he was there Hmm. and said imagine my surprise where i think i'm leading all of these people into this experience but really i'm here for me and i've just had the most eye-opening experience of my life he was he was in tears Hmm. and it made me go oh my god flights to peru like (laughs) i just thought thought, holy i gotta do this and it's one thing it's on my bucket list i definitely want to do this it's on my bucket list but he does talk about all of that stuff the intelligence of the gut the intelligence of our stomach quite literally and the body storing and keeping the count (sighs) yeah where's yours mine lives right here (laughs) I mean, chronic issues like crazy that I'm just working out now, which I'm 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 doing craniosacral. I don't know if you no, know I'm about craniosacral, manipulation of the plates in okay. the head, and very gentle. 
Um, I've done Bowen as well, which is a, like a reprogramming of the body. It's okay. very interesting. Also, again, really light touch. Um, I like any form of massage. I'm a crazy massage person. I love it. And I, I once, after I got hit by a car about seven years ago, here's a story for you. Yeah. It's in the book. Um, speaking about gut mm. and where it leads you, I was riding my scooter uh electric bike and I was going to the courtroom to file yet another response because my ex kept me in court papers uh, for many years and I got really good at paperwork mm. but I had to file a response whenever somebody litigates you you have to respond so uh, that was his game and I was coming back from the courtroom having done this yet again and I was so angry mm. I was so angry that my time was being wasted days and days and days to prepare this stuff thousands and thousands of dollars to lawyers that i should never have had to pay but i did mm. all my life savings were gone i was furious and i'm driving through young and dundas center of the universe for toronto mm. and this guy has his signal on and he's turning right just past young and so i think i'm going to scoot over and just pass him because there's a lot of pedestrians and stuff. Yep. So I look at him in his rear view mirror. He looks right back at me. I know he's made contact with me. I signal. It's an audible signal. <laughs> I have a helmet. I have a, this is an orange bike. You can't miss me. <laughs> and I start to pass him. And he literally floors the gas, cranks the wheel, and smashes right into me. Wow. And I go flying over his car and my head lands in his front tire. Like out of the blue. Dozens of people swarm his car because it looks like he's done this on purpose. Mm. It really does, like it, it really looked like the guy had it in for me. Suddenly he wanted to kill me. Swarming his car, they stopped him. He didn't even get out of the car. They called an ambulance. I got taken into the hospital. They put me on a brace, on a bodyboard, the whole thing. And then I waited for almost two hours in a body brace for a doctor to come and see me. Kid you not. So I thought, screw this, man. I took off the body brace <laughs> and I start doing yoga to see if I'm broken, mm. if I'm, because I know I'm not really broken. I know mm. I've not broken anything, but my C4 and C3 and 4 are screwed. Mm. I know that. Doctor comes in, what the hell are you doing? I said, oh, I'm, I'm checking myself out because nobody else was around, you know. Repercussions from that for years. But here's the thing. When I was thinking about him in that moment of pure hatred, mm. I got hit by a car. And as I'm flying through the air, I'm thinking about him to blame for this. Now, how deep did this guy get into my head yeah. in order to allow myself to think about him while I'm flying through the air ready to meet the pavement? Mm. If he was on a campaign to destroy me, I'd say he succeeded. So from that moment, I kind of went, I got to change my brain. All right. Gut feeling. I knew, I knew from the moment I got on that bike that I needed to ditch that anger. And I didn't. I was swimming in it. And I know it happened because that's what I attracted. Right to me. 
same thing I was given out. So I'd love to know more about the science stuff because I know that if we were listening to it more and more like this, this stuff would be avoidable. We'd be talking about it and we'd be able to see it on a science level. Yeah. You know? So I am curious and fascinated right now. <laughs> what did you do? What were your first steps, following steps? What did you went through to change your mind, as you said? Ah. Um, first thing I did was I stopped the drugs that the doctors said I could take for painkillers. Mm. Um, because if you numb me, how can I figure out how to fix something? I was never a pill popper anyway. I mean, sometimes I go for drugs if I'm in too much mm. agony, but mm. I don't like to take medication every day and I was I was given Percocet I, I mean I I'd be addicted by now if I'd taken yeah, it yeah. so I didn't do that uh, I listened to my doctor for about six months who told me don't go to the gym don't do yoga don't you know just take it easy and rest well, what does that mean yeah. I mean I've got a kid that I gotta look after. I've gotta make money. I've gotta, you know, I've got stuff to do. What does it mean, take it easy? I've never taken it easy in my life. Mm. Tell somebody to take it easy, like me, and that would create more problems than any accident would. Yep. So for the first six months, I listened to her. And then I started taking the Percocet because mm. I was bored out of my mind. And then I started taking the Percocet with wine. And then I was like, Every night I was taking. So I thought, no, this is like, this is ridiculous. Like, I can't, you know, full stop. And then I began to meditate. That's mm -hmm. the first thing I did. And then I began to do yoga again. And every single class that I did, I walked away feeling like I had been through the accident all over again. My body was screaming at me. And finally, I literally went right through the pain. I knew that it was not a bad pain. I knew I wasn't damaging my, my cervical spine. I, I knew that. Mm. But I also, I could, when I tell you excruciating pain, I mean like blinding migraines. And like I had to lie down and I had to, you know. And I did that for about six months. But by the end of that year after the accident, I had literally worked through the pain. And by then, what happened then was I picked up the weights again. And I started working out. So I did everything that I was told not to do by the medical community. I tried their way for a while. Yeah. You know, I got that prescription filled. And then I tried it my way. Yeah. So, and the meditation was, I remember this gentleman talking on that movie, The Secret, where he had a plane accident. He, mm. he literally went down with a plane and he woke up in the hospital in a coma. But he started to move his toe <laughs> you know, he just he willed his mind to move his toe and then from his toe to his foot and his foot to his knee and his knee and he walked out of the hospital two months later mm -hmm. so I thought okay well I could do that too so and mine was minor for God's sake compared to what he did so that's what I did I just kind of imagined myself through it yeah that's all I could do because that's all I had right belief what did I do I had belief it is so powerful to yeah. to w direct your thoughts and will your mind towards things that you want to get 
or achieve or or yes even fix right yes i also do something called new moon wishes okay <laughs> you want to get really woo woo <laughs> new moon wishes are um the woman named jane spiller she's dead now she started uh, a concept if you will new moon wishes plant your wishes as if they were a plant like the farmers did on the new moon because mm -hmm. there's certain circadian rhythms and okay. certain you know that we follow yeah. as farmers uh or we used to and uh so plant your your ideas and you germinate them mm -hmm. is the expression on the new moon and by the full moons certain full moons you'll be able to reap your harvest so every new moon i sit down and i tailor my list of things that i want to the particular position of that new moon mm. what it means if it's in aries it's more of a a doer kind of thing if it's in pisces it's more of an emotional kind of thing so so you just tailor your list what do i want and i have journals for years and years and years of new moon wishes mm. but it allows you I call it meditation. It allows you to sit down and meditate on the things that you want to grow. And if you picture them and imagine them and savor them and feel them and you know, you're all there with your all your senses, it's just a question of plucking them. There's a story in my book about those uh those very things. I did new moon wishes. My daughter's tuition for her private school was always extremely it was a huge amount and I yeah. couldn't always come up with it. I had to pay monthly. Mm -hmm. And by paying monthly, I was paying way more in interest. Mm -hmm. So I thought for the last year, I wanted her to be in, in, in this private school one last time, but I wanted to pay it off in one go. Mm -hmm. And so I literally, I hate this word because people have used it a lot, manifested a job, a voiceover job, a contract that paid two the dime on the day it was due her tuition wow. so i've done this a few times mm. like that exact and i've done it many times with other things that i've wanted but i have to really envision where that desire is going so mm. does it serve every aspect of my life right I mean, why am I not singing? Because it won't serve my aspect of my life right now. It'll serve my soul. It'll mm -hmm. serve people's soul, I hope. But there's nowhere to put it. I can't imagine where I would put it. Mm -hmm. But if somebody were to come up to me and say, I have an album project for you. And I go, oh, and I can see it. I would do it in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. You have to have a vision as to where you're going to put that in your life. Do you understand? Yeah. And you have to be very specific. Mm -hmm. So the more accurate you are, the more accurate your manifestation will be. You need to go to the nitty-gritty of it. And, yeah. Uh, and at the same time, you, you allow chance, you allow, uh, what do they call it, uh, serendipity mm -hmm. to arrive and, and somebody shows up out of nowhere yeah. that, that has a, something special for you and you feel like that's something you should run with. And maybe that's not even the thing that you want, but they know that person that knows that person that you've met that person that now brings you what you, you know what I mean? Yeah. As long as you're taking action on something, something will happen. That's true. So I've always believed in that. So you get out of any situation or get into any situation by picturing exactly what it is you want. It's almost easy sometimes. 
<laughs> so speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I know the power of it. Um, mm. I don't know if it's a laziness or or uh, other things that stop me from doing it on a regular basis. But uh, yeah, regular basis is the key. And mm-hmm. I've lapsed too. I've lapsed a lot. COVID had me not being able to see the future at all. Mm. Like when I looked, there was just a wall there. I don't know if you were the same. Yeah. It was really hard to have a dream when you didn't know where the entire planet was going. True. You know, and you, you couldn't even interact with the simplest of people because you weren't going out. That's right. Which was devastating in, in many ways yeah. for a lot of people. That's the loneliness, yeah. Definitely was a case. Mm-hmm. On, in terms of what you do or your career or mm-hmm. any type of the born artist, uh, any way or interpretation of that, um, what is about what you do? that you would like people to understand better? The worth of it. Hmm. The worth of it. I think we get caught up in judgment, um, generation to generation especially. I was talking with a gentleman recently who had kept saying, you know, I just don't understand kids today. I just, and I was like, wow, I've heard that for so many generations, right? <laughs> I actually think kids today are pretty flipping amazing. I think 20-year-olds today way, know way more than I ever will on this planet. So I don't discount what they bring to the table. But when it comes to their art, I don't understand it. Mm. <laughs> I don't understand it most yeah. of the time but I really appreciate a lot of it mm. so it just doesn't pay in a way that it should I feel um, the singers and the composers and the dancers and the live theater performers or the live musicians and all of that the live stuff is dying but it feeds us so much. If you think about, again, COVID, oh, no yes. live music, no theater, no singing anywhere, mm. no music yep. being made in front of your eyes to listen to, right? No culture. No culture. Yeah. Because that's what, yeah. like, to the food, to yeah. the music, to every single yeah. note. That's where the culture begins. Right? And the, the worth of it is just not, you know. Mm-hmm. Again, the world is, like, of course, this is, I mean, maybe it's by grand design. We are scrambling to pay our bills. Mm-hmm. So do you really have time to sit there for two hours and think about a storyline you want to write? Maslow, pyra- Pyramid of Maslow, right? That's, Pyramid of Maslow? Yeah, the, 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 oh, yeah. the needs. Yeah. Which are primary and which are are secondary or tertiary. Yeah. It's yeah. All goes there, right? So. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. I mean, you take away the ability to to muse 
and be amused in the very real sense of those words uh, by uh, handcuffing the people to food, water, shelter, you know. And that's what we are doing now uh, more and more. But again, it's a pendulum. I have faith that it will, before I die Mm -hmm. anyway, at least once, swing the other way. Um, Maybe as we realize that we can't all have the mansions that we wanted and the huge careers that we thought and the pots of money that we thought we were going to. And we go back to community living. So I'm 57, considerably older than you, and I'm starting to think about my next 30 years. Mm -hmm. Where is that going to be? Who's going to be there with me? How do I sustain myself? What do I do for work when all my avenues are dying? Because they are. Um, I, I will be taking over my father's property in Northumberland County and growing my own food mm. and creating a community, a literal commune of people to bring health and wellness in many forms and mm. art to my community. That wow. is my where I'm going. Mm. Because I will actually have very little choice too. But I want to surround myself with people that have these special skills mm-hmm. to entertain and amuse and be amusing mm-hmm. because that's where you heal. That's true. Right? And as a community, much like they used to do 100 years ago with your little town, you know, everybody knows everybody. And, you know, this she makes so the jams European. and, yeah. She makes the jams and he builds the barn and, and she comes to teach the yoga to the 20 people that are paying what they can and somebody's trading a half a side of their beef or whatever for your 97 eggs for that year. A jar and, of honey and so on and so forth. Yeah. Right? And that makes me happy mm. because having been a driven person all my life, having been a very money-oriented person, which I am, I've had the real estate, I've had, I had two cars at one point, a 1961 Comet as a hobby car, mm-hmm. and my own car, which was a Mercedes. I mean, I, I had a lot. You know, I've got lovely Tory Burch boots on today. I've got, you know, who cares about any of this stuff? Yeah. By the time I'm 67, 60, like 77, 80s, who cares? I just care. Am I healthy? Am I surrounded by people who inspire, mm-hmm. who are still optimistic about life? I don't care what generation they are. I don't care where they're from. Mm-hmm. That's where I want to go. Because it's going to be my life that went from this to my life that went to this. Mm-hmm. Very small very cozy Mm. and that's kind of nice yeah it is yeah i'll still be loud though (laughs) i don't doubt that (laughs) (laughs) i'm curious what besides all your career choices and uh, all the things that you do professionally mm-hmm. brings you fun, brings you joy. Fun. Ooh. I like voiceovers. Mm. Yeah. They're besides easy. Besides career. Oh, besides career. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I was going to say I like reading, but... I write, so I read, so I can write. 
<laughs> I don't know. Do I do any fun? Yeah, my partner and I actually just got a puppy, believe it or not. Um, we had a dog that we put down. She was 13. We put her down like 18 months ago. And uh, it was a heartbreak. After my daughter left, we didn't have any animals for for well we had the dog and then the dog died and we had no animals and it was like there was no dust in the house (laughs) (laughs) my pillows stayed in the same spot on the sofa (laughs) like I'm one of these people that my house is like I love decorating it he's a real estate agent so I stage so I'm Mm -hmm. all about decor and you know and I'm very particular and Everything was in its place, and I thought, oh, finally, you know. I was so bored. We would walk in the door at Two the end. Two weeks? No, no. For like this, a couple of years, we had oh. no animals. And I was just bored. I was like, there's nothing here that's alive. Mm-hmm. You walk in the door at the end of the day, and there's nothing there that's happy to see you. There's no energy in yeah. the house. Yeah. So my daughter and I were in this pet store and I stupidly bought, she bought two and I bought two Highland Lynx cats. (laughs) These ridiculously purebred cats. Unless some some stupid price. They're very pretty though. But, um, But they were hilarious. That was wonderful. And then they grew up and they're very aloof. I've never had cats that were so aloof. They don't, they're not lap cats. They're not like, you know, they're just like, you chill over there. I'm going to be over here. Like, it's, <laughs> they're very independent. Musing is all hell. But my partner is a dog person. Mm-hmm. And he he knew not to bring it up. He always had Dalmatians. And so I started investigating Dalmatians. I don't particularly like Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. My mother, by the way, had a kennel. She raised Newf- Newfoundland dogs. She Dolls raised them. Those are for beautiful like, dogs. Well, they're, they're actually. Did you really? You my, had Newfoundlands. My my. Stop my, it! Do you know yeah. how rare they are? Oh yeah. Where did you get them? My parents had both. One was a foundling. They basically someone called my father that kids are riding a Newfoundlander in the middle of the city, uh, because that's the size that he was. That yes, it was, of course. I it used was to hundred that, yeah. kilograms kind yeah. of beast, and. Uh, we took this one and then when he he was gone then they they got another one this is like you know you know how rare that is like i of all the breeds i could have mentioned mm. wow and there are birds there are there are smelly as hell they leave that <laughs> they leave hair everywhere hair is nothing the fat you touch them and then the the fat oh, the oil because the oil yeah, yeah, yeah. they protects, have an undercoat yeah that's right protects yeah. their skin from diving from the water. in yeah the the the, the frog <laughs> feet all the webbed that. feet oh my yeah. god the blue skin yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my mother was probably the top Newfoundland breeder in Canada wow. for 30 odd years wow. So her, her dogs, I mean, it's, it is conceivable that one of them might have been part of her lineage because mm. she's everywhere. Mm. Like she sold to Donald Sutherland, the actor, mm. has a couple of her dogs. President of Mexico came in and got one of her dogs. People who fly in from Japan to pick up her dog. I mean, her dogs were bred for domed heads, tight flu, so they didn't slobber a lot, and very sound hips, so they didn't have a lot of hip dysplasia mm. disease. 
And she was just like, she was a master. But I grew up with so many bloody dogs that, you know, by the time I was leaving home, the last thing I wanted was a goddamn dog, right? Fast forward to having don't, a child. Don't tell me you've got a Newfoundlander, though. <laughs> no way, man. Actually, Newfoundlands are only Shetland ponies in disguise. Mm. No, the joke around our house was one day we were going to crack an egg and there would be an, a hair in it. Like, it was, the hair was everywhere, mm. everywhere. So no, and and he wanted a Dalmatian, and I'm like, you can't even pet that. That doesn't even have any fur. Like it's just like, you know, it's not a dog. And and so I said, well, one of my favorite dogs is a Border Collie. Mm. I love them. I think they're super cute and really smart. They're, they're, they have nice hair. So I literally went online last week and I typed in Border Collie Dalmatian thinking I would get either Border Collie hmm. or Dalmatian. <laughs> I got a cross that wow. looks exactly like a Dalmatian, by the way, except smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I surprised them and brought it home. <laughs> wow. It wasn't a week ago, literally? <laughs> a week ago. And the wow. thing is like two and a half months old. And wow. of course, we haven't slept for a week. But <laughs> um, that's pure joy. Hmm. That is pure joy. Pure love, too. You know, our, our dog, I got this dog because my daughter uh, was, my daughter has very curly blonde hair and mm. like massive amounts of it. And it, it catches your eye. When she was a child walking down the street, like it was easy to to, put, to pick her out. You know, she was just so obvious. And I was terrified as a mother uh, to this gorgeous blonde mm. child that, she would be a target for some people. Even just going to the corner store made me very nervous. So that's how we ended up with our dog, which was a German Shepherd Collie Cross. And this dog was a rescue, Mm. and it was trained by my partner, who who knew what he was doing. Uh, He's fantastic with animals. And he hand signal trained her. By the end, she was under several commands. She knew lots of, she had a huge vocabulary. And she was so well behaved that wherever we would go, people would want to have her there. And that's the kind of, yeah. you know, if you're going to have a dog, you should have it well trained, right? Oh, yes, so uh, we had her for 13 years, and she kind of changed my mind about dogs, you know? Mm. By the end, I mean, uh, I was in love with this dog, you know? And then when she died, it just broke my heart. So when I, uh, when I made the call and picked up this puppy, it was like, I just knew what I was in for, too. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> this is going to be like a rough year. But that's pure joy. Mm. You know, we brought her into the gym yesterday. Really? Literally, everybody went like, at, all at the same time. They went, oh, <laughs> like 25 people. Oh, all at the same time. Swear to God. Everybody swarmed. You know, you. what is more happy than a puppy mm. it's the velvet ears and the you know optimism for days right and the pure love you're right the pure love yeah. so there's yeah. not the better like <laughs> i haven't felt such a pure love like yeah unconditional yeah it's like just comes comes I know. through i know it's nature their their nature it's is love. all connection it. yeah it's all like if we could be more like dogs honestly mm. right true 
but with better food. Okay. Yeah. So you've got the new thing. That's going to be your new hobby. Well, it's going to be uh, his fun. new thing. Okay, okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm living with a dog again. Yeah. On the flip side, though. Yes. What's your biggest problem? I hate that word, problem. Challenge. Do I have a problem? Challenge. Um, to be to be comfortable as I get older. Mm. Yeah, I don't really worry anymore about. I mean, I'm still tending to it. Let's face it. I'm still doing my hair and my eyebrows, you know. But um, and I haven't grown up in that beauty thing for many many decades. Uh, you know, having been a beautiful young woman. You would think it's hard to get old, and some days, yeah, it is. So I'm looking at this, going, "Wow, this is like kind of, you know, <laughs> like you gotta kind of hold it up a little bit." But, but it's a welcome thing too. I had a great time being what I was. Mm. Now my focus is more like, when I wake up in the morning, can I move well? Do I have a plan for my healthcare as I get older? Mm. Will our healthcare collapse in this country to the point where I won't be able to rely on it because mm. I grew up thinking I could yep. and we're seeing signs of it now being strained and dividing into a two-tier system which is already here. Um, I'm already paying for it. I mean, my craniosacral and my acupuncture and all that stuff isn't paid for by OHIP. Yep. Yep. It's thousands of dollars a year out of my pocket. Mm -hmm. I know it works. But um, I guess it's to be, it's to make sure that I'm comfortable, me and my partner are comfortable as we age, hmm. uh, physically, yeah. obviously, mentally too. So a lot of my focus is, is how we eat, how we exercise, how we, you know, sadly, he's like a sugar, <laughs> he's a sugar junkie and loves his cheese and stuff. And I'm like, would you stop bringing that in the house? So he, you know, we have this sort of push-pull, you know, he keeps me real and I keep him on point. It's kind of mm. cool. Mm. But it is a concern. Where are we going? Yeah. Right? Where are we going to die mm. is really how we how we talk about it now. Wow. Um, because we're now considering buying a property mm -hmm. to to either my father's property or one before that here in the city and, and seeing do we want to die in the city or do we want to die in the country do we rent one of those places and do, you know where do we live but moreover are we going to be okay hmm. that's really it i don't know what my next big adventure will be i'm starting to shape it in my head this health and wellness center to some yeah. degree but if i live in the city it'll be something else yeah i doubt it though but maybe hmm. I don't really fear change like that anymore. Hmm. I have absolute faith that something is going to happen, that I'm going to be okay. And even if I'm not, I have to continue to believe the good stuff is going to come my way. Have you ever been scared of, of challenge and change? Because it doesn't seem like it's through your history. Uh, the stories that you shared with me. Have I ever been scared of challenge? Um, yeah. I used to vomit before every singing performance. I was oh. so nervous. And and it was the thing that I most loved to do. So my whole being was exposed on that stage. I was very nervous. But 
um, I had a good friend, Gordy Johnson, from uh, the old band Big Sugar, and then uh, another. He has started another band called uh, Wide Mouth Mason. He's a blues guy, and he said um, we used to do these shows together. And he, I was really sick before one show, and he said, "Why are you so nervous?" He said, "They're already assuming that you're going to be amazing." I was like, "Oh, I don't have to prove myself. They're already on my side." Yeah. changed quite a bit in how I performed after that awesome. but also after having a baby my diaphragm quite literally expanded mm. and so my my breathing capacity and my 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 range became massive wow. so my voice literally blew up mm. after I had a child and I'd heard that that happens to women and you and you think yeah yeah sure you know and then it happens and then you're on stage and you know, a year or so after she was born, I was on stage again, and man, the capacity to breathe was suddenly mm -hmm. so much more. But I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you're also so much more of a human being. You know, you're bringing much more to the stage, right? Oh, so yes. Challenges, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe in the future. Maybe I'll be thinking about this interview when I'm 92 and on my deathbed going... <laughs> Damn, this is a big challenge. I gotta let go of my earthly coil. I don't know. I hope it it's not going so heavily on you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there are a lot of uh, a lot of uh, experiences, a lot of different stories, a lot of paths that you took through your journey on those paths and the people that you met mm -hmm. you are right now talking also about building something that's going to be wellness mm -hmm. center slash community mm -hmm. um, knowing that this will be around people or small group of people what would you do for a member or a person that is part of it to help them belong or feel that they belong more. Give them a task. Hmm. Everybody needs a purpose. Hmm. Yeah. How would you go about it? Depends on the person. Mm -hmm. um, I would be sending out invitations to people that I already know that are plugged into certain modalities, if you will, yeah. or, I mean, it's already begun. The conversation's already begun about, and, and ironically, they're almost all women that are older than me. Hmm. Where are they going? They have no partners. They have no real estate. They have no, their children are grown or they don't have any, or, you know, I think everybody needs a purpose, so whatever their skill is, I would probably base my ask on what their skill and yearning is in life. But they would definitely have to be uh, real artists in their craft mm. or experts at that point in their life. I'm looking for uh, leaders, mm. you know, as I envision this this place I, I'm looking for leaders I'm looking for people to keep it running on a on an integral level uh, or integrity rather that 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 is uh, in alignment with with you know the health stuff that I believe in or the artistic pursuits that keep people vibrant 
the old age care that we will have to be responsible for for ourselves by the time I'm there. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, I'm just at the tail end of the baby boomers and there are way too many of us and there's nowhere to put us. So, but yeah, I like that idea back to small community where everybody had a job. You know, my name, Kuti, means side, literally. Mm-hmm. So we were probably the family that lived on the side of some prominent, you know, whether yep. it be the castle or the king or whatever. Um, baker and, you know, right. these names meant what your vocation was. Yep. And in a way, I guess that's, that's what people will do. Mm. is whatever they represent. I have a girlfriend who can do a thousand and one things, but if she were, I think she's going to be in this commune, as she calls it, um, she's an incredible nanny, but she's also uh, an incredible artist. You Mm. give her a paintbrush and you have an incredible canvas. You give her a pen and she's an incredible writer. Mm. Um, You know, I I would like to let her pick whatever she wants to bring. Point being, nobody can be there under duress doing stuff that they hate. Yeah. Why? At that stage of the game? Oh yeah. No. There's lots of communities that fascinate me, like these these communities that have children. They have a daycare within an old age home. Mm-hmm. They have, uh, you know. Uh, there's islands where people eat only incredibly good food and they don't have any of that imported stuff and That's their right. longevity is ridiculously long. Seasonal, and, yeah. local. Yeah, seasonal, local, yeah. But with people too, mm. seasonal, local people, mm. right? And the vision sounds phenomenal. <laughs> I will be cheering for I'm still it cooking it, yeah. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. There's definitely... It's cooking in the right direction, if you can say so. (laughs) I hope so, yeah. Mm. Are you ready for for a touchdown of the conversation? (laughs) Sure. I've got two ones that will be challenging. Okay. (laughs) A sip sip of water. Uh, wine, wine. <laughs> drink of choice. <laughs> okay, go. Ooh. <laughs> what question mm-hmm. would you like to be asked more often? <clears throat> My joke is, what can I do for you today? God, I would love that if people were to ask me that more often. Um, that's a very interesting question. I like it when people ask me for advice. Mm. I don't really think that it's interesting if they ask me about me. I mean, despite this podcast, despite my book, mm. I write it out. I, I art it out, right? Um, yeah, I really like it when people ask me if I can shine some light on something for them. I've mentored people before mm-hmm. in voiceovers and acting and all that. So I, I would like to, I, I would like people to feel more at ease with asking me things. If I can give it, I'll, I'll give it, mm. you know. That's phenomenal. Yeah. We should have more people like yourself. Really? Willing, yeah, I guess. Willing, I willing to give and willing to yeah. 
to share the knowledge and and just yeah help others this was beautiful now <laughs> oh no <laughs> I, i bet this will be easy what have been the greatest day of your life the greatest day of my life oh well the instant one is the birth of my daughter but um Yeah, I I think Actually, it wasn't the birth of my daughter because like, well, yeah, that was amazing for me in many ways. It was a, I'll give you two answers to that and they both have to do with my daughter. The first one is somebody recently asked me about this whole trans stuff, you know, well, what is a woman? Because mm. they were talking about the feminine aspects of what we're seeing on social media, you know, the eyelashes and the makeup and the heels and the this and those are just feminine constructs as far as I'm concerned. Yep. What made me a woman was the day that my body opened, bled all over the floor with every liquid imaginable known to man and produced a child out of it. It was ugly and messy and smelly and gross and I have never been more connected to the earth. That's a woman. Mm -hmm right so primal so deep beyond me every woman ever that has given birth was with me then mm -hmm. right but that wasn't like the happiest moment of my life i think the happiest moment of my life was when i realized that despite these challenges i've had that i actually got lucky enough to have a daughter with um with with uh what do you call this um she she comes to conclusions in a very unusual way she has very unusual thinking mm -hmm. i said to her there was going to be a consequence because she hadn't cleaned her room and the consequence was that she had to pick a toy to give away to value village or goodwill or whatever because she hadn't done what she said she was going we had a contract and she didn't do it So I said, pick a toy. Now she had toys like teddy bears that all the stuffing had come mm. out of them and the shiny new ones and a train set and Barbies with lots of body parts taken off and all that stuff. And so she went upstairs and she was up there for a really long time. She was going to pick a toy that she had to give away and she was very sad. And she came back downstairs and she was holding this little pink stick. And she said, Do Barbie legs count? And at that moment, I realized, A, she's way smarter than me. <laughs> Thank God. And B, she is somehow, she was like seven at the time, of an age where the mind begins to develop in a way that it will be as they're adults. Mm. And I thought, I won here. I, first of all, I won the lottery with her, mm. with who she was, because it is a crapshoot. You never know who you're going to birth. Yeah. Then I realized, I guess the stuff that I've been pouring in there and growing was actually okay. Because you worry, right? Like, I don't want to do what it was in the last generation. I want to break that cycle. And I succeeded. I won. That day I realized I won.
I got what it is I had really hoped for. <laughs> and she's still smart like that. Like she would have made a great lawyer. Mm. You know, she's just got the most incredible brain. Arguing with her is like arguing with air. Like you just can't get a purchase on anything, right? Yeah. So I'm very lucky. Yeah. Through this conversation, I realized that you definitely have the whole army of guarding agents, uh, angels. Uh, and yeah, like the situations that you went through definitely were, were challenging and you went through a lot. Like no doubt about it though yeah the traumas the the abuse and and then dealing with that and then then relationships all of that it's that's whole, life whole yes that's that's the best conclusion yeah. of it that's life but i totally and fully admire your journey and the the kindness that you are coming with and you resonate Oh, Thank you for being here. It was phenomenal. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It's my pleasure Thank too. You. And it's a wrap. We dare you. If you are bold enough, hit subscribe, repost the rebellion, and don't miss out on next week's episode. It's going to be bloody brilliant. See you on the next one.